0: If you have a Bible there with you, um, I would encourage you to just turn as we normally would um, and do keep keep your Bible open as we go through this passage this morning. We are going to just simply continue with our series in Ephesians. and This morning we are at Ephesians chapter 4. Um, the first three chapters in Ephesians was, was a lot of, of doctrine uh, and now as we, we look to the last few chapters... We are getting to more of the application. And this morning we're looking at Ephesians chapter 4 and the first 16 verses. So allow me to read this for you. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call one lord one faith one baptism One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. as i said we are living in a strange time um, i i couldn't have thought of anything that would have even made me consider and um, postponing church meetings and yet here we are in these days of of self-isolation and social distancing and, and not physically meeting together and there's, there's somehow an irony as, as we continue to think about how we as a local church live and grow together and yet for a period of time under the Lord's control we are physically apart. But of course even in that distancing for each other's good we are no less the church, we are no less the Lord's people. We are no less brothers and sisters in Christ. <clears throat> I suppose it's a bit like a family member who, who goes away on business. Or perhaps has been off on, on, on holiday with, without family. The fact that they are physically apart it makes them no less family. They, they're no less connected. Their, their, their relationship and their love is no less. United we stand and divided we fall it's a well-known it's a true saying it's it's a model that we could apply to to various contexts and and it's certainly true of the local church we have been called to unity and it is in displaying this unity that we thrive as god's people <clears throat> Uh, And this morning from Ephesians 4, uh, I want us to think about two things. I want us to think about maintaining unity and attaining unity. So, maintaining unity and attaining unity. You have been so patient and attentive as we have worked our way through the first three chapters in Ephesians, kind of digging through deep doctrine, helping us to understand. Who we are as God's people and what is our purpose in this world. We are in Christ. We are united to him and to each other. We are God's children. We have been loved, forgiven. We are eternally his. And our purpose is to make God's glory known, his glory, his power, his grace known in this world. And last week we we looked at Paul's second prayer in Ephesians. And and there in that prayer we were we're looking at how how the prayer was for God's power to strengthen us to fulfil our purpose in this world. That, that, that God's power would strengthen us to become more like Christ and, and strengthen us that together we could better understand the love of Christ. So we've, we've been told who we are and what our purpose is. Paul has prayed for us that God would, would strengthen us to fulfil his purpose. And now in these next chapters we begin to see how that works out. But we get, begin to see what that looks like in everyday life. Over the next few weeks we will look at church life, at family life and work life. And, and as we have thought about these grand truths the, these past few weeks, that the fact that we, we are new people, we, we are to make God's glory known, they're grand truths, but what we will see in the next few weeks is that it's not actually an abstract thing, but actually it's grounded in everyday life. God calls us to be holy and blameless in the church, at home, and in work. So to fulfil our purpose, now we've got to roll our sleeves up and get grafting. <clears throat> As I said, we are going to think about maintaining Um, the unity verses one to six and then attaining the unity verses seven to sixteen so firstly let's think about maintaining the unity and that is verses one to six so let's look at this together verse one i therefore and again it's, it's linking this passage to all that we have thought about so far in light of who God has called you to be, in light of his power strengthening you, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And this idea of walking is, is really how we conduct our life. If we think back to chapter chapter 2, Um, We saw there how we once walked, we we were dead sin under the influence of the world, the devil and the flesh. But God, God acted by the power of his grace, gave gave us new life. We are a, a new people, new person created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in there. So, we once walked one way, but now because of God's transforming power in our lives, we now walk another way. And Paul urges these believers to to simply show who they are. To show what God has called them to. If you look down into verse 4, there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Who is over all and in all and through all. Seven times this this oneness is emphasised. All God's people are united in Christ as one body. One spirit has brought them together as one body. Christ's body. And they now have one father. They have one Lord and so there can only be one faith and one baptism. There's not a separate faith for Jew and Gentile. There is one faith and it is in Christ. There is one Church. Despite different denominations and the distinctions that they bring. There is one church. One body. One faith. And this oneness is expressed and displayed most clearly in the local church. Paul urges these believers to show who they are. To show what God has called them to. Unity. And so that is why Paul encourages these believers to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. God's spirit has brought believers together in Christ. He is their peace. He is the one who who bonds them, who, who keeps them together. We are one in him. But you might think, well, if that has already been created, then then, why does Paul say to maintain that unity? Well, Paul is urging these believers to make evident what Christ has already done. Remember from chapter 3, that God's power and glory is displayed in the unity of the local church, both on the earth and in the heavenly places. Uh, And we said there that that to not display this unity outwardly, well, it's it's almost a a mockery of what God has done in in creating unity. Uh, And surely that is why Paul here urges these believers to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And this word, eager, it carries a real sense of of urgency, of, of haste, even a sense of crisis. And what Paul is really saying is that you must work hard at this display of church unity. And you must do it now. If you've ever wondered what your, perhaps what your role or what you should be doing as a member of a local church, here is your answer. You work hard and tirelessly at church unity. Unity. Well, what does this look like? Look at verse 2. Walk with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Walk with all humility or lowliness, we could say. That is we think of others better than ourselves. See, as Lewis says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. So you, you, you see yourself more of a servant to others rather than, than seeing others there to serve you. You're, you're more concerned with others' needs than you are with them meeting your needs. Gentleness or, or meekness. It's, it's similar to humility. The, the person who is gentle. Is, is not concerned with their own rights. Is not concerned with proving a point. Rather they, they are compassionate. And understanding. Especially towards the sins of others. And then patience. And bearing with one another in love. To, to be patient is. It is to to be slow to become frustrated with others' faults. You're not quick to point out faults or or, or to be angry. Patience can mean steadfastness. You are long-suffering in your patience. And you can see how this is contrary to... To what we were when we were dead in sin. And it's contrary to what the world might say. See the world might say think of yourself first and foremost before others. Assert and prove your rights. Give up on people when they're not serving you or meeting your needs or giving you recognition." Paul says this all should stem from love bear with one another in love remember how Paul prayed that we would understand the love of Christ because this will change how we respond and interact with each other of course Christ is the perfect example of humility and patience gentleness and love Christ humbled himself. He He was willing to overlook his rights. He could have judged us and punished us, but, but rather he came and, and took judgment and punishment for us. And he continues to be so patient with us as we strive to put sin to death in our lives day by day. That this is how we have been Loved in Christ, and so in, in, in that love, we treat others with humility and gentleness, with patience. We, we bear with one another in love. To maintain unity, we approach and we treat others in light of how God has treated us. So, Paul, Paul has drawn our attention to your, our oneness. As we strive to maintain unity. But this certainly does not mean we are all the same. Look at verse 7. Paul says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So we are all one. But we have been given different gifts. We have diversity in our unity. And this brings us to think then about attaining unity. Look at verse 8. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now, this is a quote from Psalm 68. And this psalm looks back to God's victory. And rescuing his people from Egypt. And if you look at Psalm 68 and verse 18. You will notice it says that you ascended on high. Leading a host of captives, captives in your train. And receiving gifts from men. But Paul changes receiving to here in Ephesians he says. He gave gifts to men. After every conquest in the ancient world, there would be both a receiving and a giving. What conquerors took from their captives, they gave to their own people. And as we read any of the Psalms, we, they always point us forward to the work of Christ. Look at verse 9 in Ephesians 4. And saying he ascended, but what does it mean by that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. See, before Christ ascended, he descended, that is his incarnation. He descended from heaven to earth, ultimately to die. To become obedient to death on a cross. But rose again defeating sin and death and the devil. And then this conquering king ascended above all the heavens. We remember back to Ephesians 1. Christ was raised from the dead and seated in the heavenly places. That is his ascension. And he was seated far above all rule and authority and power And dominion. He is the conquering king. His reward is his people. He he has taken his people from the enemy. He receives his people and then gives his people back as gifts to the church. Verse 11 and he gave the apostles, the prophets. The evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. You see the people themselves are the gifts to the church. There are other lists of gifts in scripture. You could look to 1 Corinthians 12 or Romans 12. Now, none of these are, are exhaustive lists and, and this list here in Ephesians 4 is certainly not an exhaustive list but it specifically mentions those who have the the, the 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 responsibility for teaching within the church the apostles we have thought about before in chapter 2 and the church is built on the teaching of the apostles and prophets now, the apostles and prophets they had a, a specific and exclusive teaching role after jesus resurrection um, apostle can mean one sense in, in a general sense that is referring to all believers. Um, but that is only used once in the New Testament and it's not the meaning here. And, and it couldn't be because Paul is speaking about different gifts and, and not everyone having the same gift. So, so in other words, the apostle and prophets that are mentioned here, we, we, we do not have in the church today. They have laid the foundations and the church rests upon that the foundations are not moved but we do have evangelists shepherds or pastors and teachers the evangelists uh, again in one sense we, we could say we are all evangelists but uh, this is not the case here it's speaking about a, a particular gift uh, an evangelist is most likely referring to someone who has what we might call a full-time evangelistic ministry. Today that could mean many different things. It could be working for a mission organisation, perhaps speaking to larger groups. And there will be some who work as evangelists, mainly in one-to-one, through door-to-door or, or literature distribution. And there are many other ways of working as evangelists. An evangelist if he have been gifted in that way. But Christ has given evangelists to the church to help in the spreading of the gospel. And, and we can certainly learn a lot from them. Then pastor or, or shepherd. Pastor or shepherd is used in the New Testament in the same way as, as overseer or elder. When Peter is, is writing, he exhorts the elders to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. It, it, it is the role of, of elders or pastors to oversee and to lead. So some will say that, that shepherds and teachers are, are one role, if it is not one role, they're one role shepherd teacher that there is certainly an overlap and shepherds need to feed the sheep by the word of god and that is why we structure church as we do we have elders in, in leadership who we believe are, are gifted by christ to serve his body This is one ministry role within the local church. I take more responsibility for weekly teaching. That that is my role as as one of the leaders or elders or, or pastors. That that is my primary role within this local church. Christ has given leaders and he has given them to equip the saints. For the work of ministry. And this is key that we grasp what is being said here. Sometimes we will hear people refer to to church leadership teams. Or perhaps those employed by a local church. We will refer to them as the ministry team. And sometimes that, that can be an unhelpful phrase. Because the local church ministry team is every member. The leadership it is one role within that ministry team. Each one of you are a part of the ministry team. And together this team works to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Verse 13, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Unity of the faith. God's purpose, his end goal is to unite all things in Christ. And we saw in chapter 2 how God is powerfully working out his, his purpose as he brought Jew and Gentile together. Knowledge of the Son of God. Paul, Paul prayed this for the believers in chapter 1, that, that, that they would grasp, that, that they would understand more of what is theirs in Christ. And also last week we we thought, and we saw there, that he prayed that they would understand better how Christ has loved them. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Again, this is what Paul prayed for that we looked at last week. Essentially that we would become more like Christ. Which is what it means to reach mature manhood. Man who referring to the one man, the one body. That as Christ's body, we would increasingly be like him. As Paul says in verse 15, that, that we would grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And if every member is being equipped through regular sound teaching of God's word, they will be maturing. And then, verse 14, they will no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You, you see, children will believe almost anything you tell them. And as they grow... They need to mature, uh, and to mature they need wise and loving parents to teach them, so, so as they as they grow they have discernment. They they know the difference between what is right and what is wrong, between what is sincere and what is false. God's people need to be taught well, so that they won't believe anything they hear. Or sorry, so that they won't believe everything they hear they they need taught well so they can have discernment so they know what is right and wrong so they know what is sincere and what is false god's people need regular teaching from god's word so that they won't be children tossed But rather, speaking the truth in love, verse 15, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, when God's people are taught well, they are able to speak the truth, the gospel word, to each other. In Ephesians 6, we see that it is the word of truth that will bring protection. Let me summarise and and sum up for you how we attain this unity. Firstly we are dependent upon Christ who is our head. Who who keeps us together uh, and who gives us gifts. Uh, And as we've thought about um, on the past few Thursday nights. We're not only dependent on Christ but we're dependent upon each other. Not some of us, all of us. The body works and grows when each part, each part is working properly. What does it mean for you to work properly? Well it means you are maturing spiritually. Becoming more like Christ. Yes we are to grow together as one body. But if each part is not growing. Then that affects the whole body. So we are dependent upon Christ. We are to depend on each other. We attain unity then through every member ministry. There are no members more important than others. There's no hierarchy. We have been given different gifts, different roles to serve each other within the local church so that we can attain the unity. So, so let's each of us think about ourselves. How, how has God gifted me to serve the, the body of Christ? Well, perhaps well what is my personality perhaps you're chatty and, and bubbly you you may be good at, at introducing yourself to to new people or perhaps you're you're quieter you you could then perhaps come alongside someone who who comes into the fellowship and actually feels quite intimidated by by a larger group what are your skills what are your passions what, what have been your, your experiences in life so far? And, and how can you use what you have been through, both good and bad, to, to serve the body, to help others grow more like Christ? And then look, look out to others. Others within our fellowship. Perhaps if there are new believers, how, how are they going to grow? How are they going to understand what God has done in their life? How are they going to become more like Christ? Or perhaps think of people with with varying circumstances in their lives. How am I able to serve them? And then we need regular teaching from God's word. To attain unity, Christ gifted the church with teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Consistent Bible teaching is essential in the local church. It will be our pattern to work through Bible books as we are doing now. And that way, then, I'm not, or anyone else is not tempted to pick and choose what, what I want to teach. And we're not tempted to leave out tricky bits or or, or bits that might not go down too well, and um, with, with with our time and society, you see, know, it's easy to teach that that God is love. It's not so easy to teach that God is judge of all. Teaching all of God's word is essential, because how we respond to to all of life's circumstances is a direct response to how we are. Taught our understanding of God's word. How we minister to each other. Will be dependent on our understanding of God's word. How we build each other up through a pandemic. Do we have a clear understanding of who God is? Do we know what God has to say about suffering in our world? Do we know who we are and what is our purpose? Do we know what God is doing in and through all of this? Do we know what he is working towards? Do we need teaching in the local church? We need then leadership in the local church. Men who are gifted and called by God to this role. Men who have a deep commitment to God's word and want to see every member ministry. Men who do not view themselves as the minister, but one of many ministers. Men who want to equip the local church for building up the body of Christ. So may we strive to maintain and attain unity through our service in the local church. May we serve with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Peter Weir, our education minister. Um, commenting on coronavirus this week he said I understand the significant levels of anxiety and fear people are facing he said this virus will not pay any heed to which community background each of us comes from but we must all work within a unity of purpose against our common enemy and it's interesting that and this virus has in many ways united people. People regardless of, of who they are, with the, they suddenly have, have one purpose and one goal within this. I mean, even I've, I've talked to family and friends probably more this week than ever before. And as, as a local church we too have a unique opportunity to serve each other in these weeks. And you know Peter Weir's comment is actually some pretty good advice for the local church. We have been united in Christ. We have been given one purpose and one goal. That is unity. To maintain unity and attain unity. Unity is our purpose now. Unity is our goal then. And the more we live in unity now, the more we will experience what life will be like then. We can even have a foretaste of heaven now. Let me pray for us just now. Our Father in God, we we thank you Again, for your great work in the gospel, for how your power has worked, giving us life, and uniting us um, in Christ to you and to each other. And we thank you that that your ultimate goal is to unite all things in Christ. And thank you how we saw your power working towards that and bringing jew and gentile together and even in bringing us all together um, as your people in this particular local church and so father we pray that that we will um, really passionately strive to maintain the unity that you have created and, and passionately strive to attain unity we pray that we will be clear um, how you want us to be as a local church, as you, as you have led in your word. We pray that, that, that we will hold to your word in terms of, of leadership, in terms of Bible teaching, in terms of, of every member serving um, serving the body. I help us, just each of us, to think through how, how we are serving um, the, the local church that you have brought us to be a part of. Father, we we thank you again um, for your word uh, and we pray that you will continue to speak to us um, by your Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, We are going to try uh, another song, Um, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. It it is one that we have used before um, in this series uh, and it's one that just helps us really just to focus on that unity that is is ours in christ